Okay, great. Here we go then. So, Michael, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this podcast project and where we're going to discuss ideas, really, uh, about university spaces and and how they may look um, moving forward now in terms of the fourth industrial revolution, I suppose, the technical revolution we're experiencing at the moment, but also bearing in mind lots of areas and spaces that we need to keep too. So to start with, would it be okay if you could just introduce yourself, uh, tell us a bit about the projects you're involved in and also what excites you about the work you're doing at the moment? Sure, I'm um, Michael Lyshen. Um, I'm a senior lecturer in um, geography at the University of Exeter and I'm at the Cornwall campus. I'm at the, uh, yeah, I'm 100 miles further west than the Exeter campus. It's a, it's a, it's a European, well, it was a European project to locate a university in a remote region um, and uh, to, to stimulate the economy, but also to give education opportunities to uh, young people in those areas. So the other projects I'm involved in at the moment in time are primarily around how we link the voluntary sector to communities uh, and, and individuals. And this has really been driven by a recognition that um, austerity uh, measures that have been in place since um, roughly 2010 for following the um, uh, global financial meltdown of 2008-2009 has meant that a lot of local authorities have had to withdraw certain types of services um, from provision and particularly to what we might consider to be soft surfaces you know so uh, things like youth work has, has by, by and largely uh, disappeared from the agenda in, in local authorities to um, you know caring for our um, elderly people in our, in our communities as well so my current projects um, we have one which is called healthy um, um, aging um, across rural Europe um, and that's um, we're specifically looking at how communities can connect to their older people and how those older people can be reconnected into their communities to deal with issues around isolation and loneliness um, which are you know, you know, hugely problematic um, for older people um, and we're looking at um, examples here in the United Kingdom um, here in Cornwall and in East Sussex and then in the Lenore area of France, which is that, is that bit between Dunkirk and uh, the Belgian border, if, uh, if big, big people don't know where that is, um, Belgium um, and, um, and the Netherlands. So it's, it's a big cross-European project. Um, we've got another, I've got another project which I'm working on as well, which is called Smartline. This is in the second phase now. Um, again, it's a kind of multi-million pound a European funded project, which is about using technology within homes to allow people to connect to services as well as understanding the nature of, of, of their, their, their homes and their lives. So, so in Cornwall, um, it's, it's a you know, we, we experience an awful lot of wet weather down here, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, houses are often very damp, you know, and you can look, you can measure humidity, you can look at heating. And, you know, you, you can improve people's lives by monitoring instruments within their properties and you can feed back that information to them so they can make positive decisions. But you can also use those kind of modern technologies to allow people to connect with each other, connect with their communities. And that's where I come in. So, you know, my interests and things that really excite me 
is how dynamic the volunteering sector is and what kind of services those voluntary groups are starting to backfill into um, our communities or responding to issues. And uh, and COVID was a great example of that, you know, um, around formal volunteering and formal volunteering, actually. So we've got a lot of informal volunteering where neighbours were shopping for each other or, or, or just, just helping out, particularly for their uh, elderly residents. And you get those kind of formal moments whereby organisations like Volunteer Cornwall, which is a, a county-wide uh, voluntary um, agency, you know, saw their numbers of volunteers uh, skyrocket, you know, and um, and people wanting to get involved. So, you know, it's uh, it's been a really exciting time for me around, you know, how um, uh, an inciting incident like a global pandemic can actually have um, some very positive outcomes in terms of, you know, reinforcing this idea of community and making people look in, back in on themselves about how they have a sense of belonging and purpose in place rather than just residing in place. So you know, it, it, it's stimulating people to say, you know, what can I do? And I'm not saying this is everybody, but, you know, we're seeing you know um, a surge in volunteering. And one of our real challenges that some of these projects that I'm working on will, will be exploring is, is how do we keep that momentum going? You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that the vaccine is going to work, um, even if it means we have to have boost, boosters every year to tweak it for, for variations. But uh, when we return to whatever our normality looks like in the future, are we going to keep that momentum? Uh, are we going to keep people in re-engaging re at a local level um, and with their, with their neighbours and, and their friends? Thank you, Michael. It's yeah, it's really important, I think, to keep that momentum going. I feel like it's going to take a lot of brave decisions moving forward, but hopefully looking at it optimistically and speaking candidly about solutions rather than focusing on the problems, we can move forward together. It would be great to ask if you'd be able to share a memorable space that you had when you were in university. Yeah, I, I came with some real thought actually, because obviously you sent me certainly sent me some questions that to think about before before talking today. And I thought about when I was an undergraduate in the dark the dark days uh, a long time ago. Of course, the universities were were, were, were you know, fundamentally seem to be to very different places to the ones that they are now. And I went to uh, Aberystwyth University. And of course, you know, most things happen through the student union. So I, you know, for me, um, an important space would be the, the student union um, as a gathering point for, for making, you know, for seeing my friends, a place where you'd eat, you'd, you'd have a drink on a on a Sunday night, because I think people might forget that uh, Kenadigian in those days was dry on a Sunday. Um, if you if you if you wanted a pint, you'd have to go to the student union because it was a guild and it sat slightly outside of licensing laws or the regular licensing laws, or you'd have to drive to McCutcliffe or somewhere else, you know, go across the border. And of course, you know, the other place for me that was really important as, as an undergraduate was the library. I spent a huge amount of time in the library uh, working, invariably going through bibliographic indices uh, to find papers that I'd be interested in. Um, and it really stimulated my love of learning um, for those People who know who know the library in, in, in Aberystwyth, it's it's got wonderful views out over the whole town. And if you got there early enough, you could get one of those prime spots where if you'd like to daydream for a moment, you could look out at the window and see the storms uh, whipping through and across uh, uh, the Cardigan Bay. But uh, yeah, those, those those are two of the places which as an undergraduate um, I frequented uh, quite a lot, uh, but also, you know, left me with very happy memories. 
that's lovely to hear and uh, how nice to have those moments of peace in in the library and, and to be able mm. to look out into nature that's something that i think is very important what would you say then has changed the most since your time there at university gosh uh, well there's there's obviously there's been lots of changes in higher education since i was an undergraduate not least we've seen the exponential growth of, of students going to, to to university from you know somewhere around about, I don't know, 10 to 12% going to university, you know, now up to nearly 50% of uh, school leavers going on to university, to the incorporation of, you know, uh, polytechnics and colleges of higher education um, into, uh, into the university structures. But I think, you know, if we, if we if one, the, one, the one absolutely profound change in, in, in higher education is because uh, as with society being the internet, when I was an undergraduate, yes, we had um, local area networks. We had, we had some computers. Um, I was lucky enough to have a father who bought me a computer back in 1981. So I'd been programming for a while before I'd gone to university. And actually, when I started um, my stats courses at university, I used to rewrite the programs that they gave us because they were, they were inelegant. And um, so, I, you know, I was somebody that was very okay with that world. But what has changed is, as I said a moment ago, I used to spend a lot of time in the library looking for articles to read. And we used to have these books which were just uh, indexes of, of abstracts and you'd go through them on keywords and you'd find articles. You may have to then go and order it up. It might not be in your library. We'd have to go and find the hard copy. And being in Aberystwyth, I was very lucky because we had the, um, the library, National Library of Wales on our doorstep just below the institution. So I had a membership there, so I could have, you know, invariably I could always get the paper I wanted to have a read of. I can do that now in a fraction of a second. <laughs> it's just I just put in the keywords, bang, here comes the papers. I can use Google Scholar, I can use EBSCO, I can use Web of Science. That in itself has fundamentally changed the way we learn and the way students learn. We we have access to information now 24-7. We can look things up, however inane they might seem to be, such as, you know, watching a TV show, thinking, I've seen that person in something before. I'll look, I'll look them up and see who it is. To verifying facts or, or, or ideas, you know, we, we education is now a very much more democratic thing. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. You know, um, there are, there are obviously there, there's the problems with, with the Internet uh, in, in the sense that it gives voice to unreasonable views that are unverified. People can link into those and claim that they can now um, receive verification for their ideas. But actually, you know, the Internet as a, as a democratic uh, thing is, 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 is being great for education. And it, it's allowing students in particular to gather knowledges from lots of sources. And that's what we want. We want people to be thinking critically. Um, we want them to be thinking widely around issues and, and problems. Uh, so for me, that has been, <laughs> without doubt, it, it's changed everything. It's changed the way that we have to structure places to, you know, so everywhere you walk now on my campus, you're always in a Wi-Fi zone. It doesn't matter whether you're outside or inside, you're always available, you're always online. It, it gives that, it gives students uh, an access to the world, which is which is always there, providing that, you know, they, they're, they're online. Obviously, you know, one of, one of the interesting parts of, uh, we've had to think very carefully around um, about, uh, being in lockdown through COVID is um, digital poverty. 
You know, not everybody, you know, has good quality broadband at home. Some people just don't have it at all. Not everybody has a laptop, you know, and, um, you know, as an institution, these are things that we have been addressing you know, fundamentally, you know, it's, it's because the internet now is such an important part of the learning experience. It's changed so much that access to learning, access to knowledge. I suppose if you look now then at universities, is there anything in particular you'd still like to change? I, I think anybody who works in a, in, a, in, a, in a university is on the edge of knowledge and um, you, you're working towards hopefully bettering society, bettering the places in which you work and your, your communities. Um, and for me, um, I... I would I would like to see um, universities evolve as they are uh, in, in fairness and to to institutions they are evolving to places that are much more um, democratic much more inclusive they speak to their uh, they're not only their constituent populations in terms of uh, their student base but also the communities and businesses that that revolve around them and it's it's really for me one of the challenges going forward into the future is to recognise how institutions are drivers for economic and social and cultural change you know and, and to make sure that they are firmly embedded within their in their communities um, and they're, they're, they're not ivory towers any any longer um, that yes there is um, advanced level um, blue skies critical thinking that goes on in these places but ultimately you know um, we're all better in society for sharing those knowledges and for for raising the standard of, of, of education and learning within the country. What would you say is the role of universities in promoting the well-being for older people that want to continue to learn, but also for younger people then? How do we allow these spaces to be inclusive, like you mentioned, getting it more diverse so that older people and younger people can both come together? I, th I think this is um, it's, it's, it's one of the challenges that I think we're facing. I think when we talk about older people in universities, it, it's a really, for me, it's kind of a vexatious point, you know, it, um, because we talk about a mature student as somebody being older, but actually a mature student, somebody over 21 at the start of their degree. <laughs> for me, you know, fundamentally still a young person at that particular moment uh, um, in time. But I think what what we've got to get right here is, is if, if an institution is to um, reach out in, into uh, its, its community, it can't assume, first of all, that they're, they're part of a community. You know, you have to build that community. You know, you have, you have to do your outreach work. Um, you have to make sure that um, people see uh, the, the, the positive contribution that institutions make um, to communities. But then you've got to think about, you know, are we providing the kind of spaces and places that universities, well, the, the universities can provide that are attractive to um, other groups of people and, and to come in. So what, what, I, what I mean by that is that I think university spaces um, should be polyfunctional, they should be fit for purpose. And when we consider that, we've got to think about, you know, um, how do people learn and what's the, what's the future of learning looking like? Um, and for me, um, you know, lots of institutions are already doing this. They have continued professional development courses running. They, they might have short courses. We're now seeing the emergence of MOOCs 
being delivered by by institutions. A lot of them are free, and I think that, you know I think for me that's a really interesting development. That again, it's it's sharing those knowledges. Um, one of the projects I didn't say at the start that I'm involved with because we're just about to go into a brand new phase of it and it hasn't quite started. Is um, I'm I'm I lead a project called um, Citizens Journalism um, News Network, and that's where we take a module and we've been teaching about citizens journalism into what we call cold spots nowadays it's it's really areas of uh in, which have indices of multiple deprivation and we're, we're, we're actually going into communities and delivering those materials in community centers in church halls in schools uh and it, again it's, it's part of that kind of community outreach but it's you know so but it's also to help people realize that community universities are there for everyone it's they're they're not exclusively for young people and by doing so what we're, we're now getting is you know it's it's um we're getting people taking those modules and it's equivalent to an a level and it means they're back in the education process but more importantly it enables um, people to realise that you know when you engage the volume of information that we're we're bombarded with on a daily basis, that they can critically inspect it and make sure you know, and they can they can formulate their own opinions on on that information. But it also returns to an issue which um, I, I don't know whether you've seen it, but Michael Sheen was recently interviewed by Owen Jones of the Guardian, and it's, it's fascinating actually talking about ideas and uh, and communities. But uh, Michael Sheen said one of the things he really noticed around Port Talbot was that when he was a kid, um, it used to have at least two journalists working in that area for, for local newspapers. Now they've got a, a fractional person who comes from Swansea who comes out and may cover the odd thing. And for me, that's that coupled with alt truth. And we've been through, you know, uh, the, the Trump years here, which, you know, questions this, this idea, you know, whether people in public office need to tell the truth or not with, with the public. For me, we've got a counter that kind of reduction of local knowledge is being, um, being written about and broadcast, as well as this kind of alt reality that we have coming from a state sector. And the only way to achieve that is to return the, the ability to produce knowledge and produce those stories back to individuals. So this project at the moment in time, you know, we, we've run it through a couple of times. We're now going into a new phase developing this course and hopefully over time we, we would like to spin this out across across the country it's, it's still very much in a development phase but again it raises this question you've been talking about is, is how do you get and engage people back into the university you know you can't just take the kind of field of dreams approach by saying you know if you build it they will come you know um, there is an element of that but obviously, you know, you've also got to be prepared to go out and put the groundwork in into those communities to say, look, you know, this is not an, a program which is exclusively for young people or for those who've got, you know, certain forms of A-levels. It is a resource for the whole community. And when we think about how can we co-join um, older older people with perhaps you know, younger people to make those those very um, positive um, links across uh, intergenerational um, structures. Again, universities have the potential to do that. You know, it depends on how you structure your learning or how you see the purpose of an institution. You know, if your if your mission as a, as, a, as an educational establishment is to further the um, 
the education and well-being of your communities. Well, why why aren't we linking up our students more into the community? Why aren't we um, developing projects, which means they go out and actively work within those communities? Um, because that you know that's the way you kind of force some of those relationships. But you also enable students to find their own ways um, and, and um, into those forms of learning, but also to um, develop greater connections into those communities. So I, I'm afraid that I think there's a bit of a bit of a ramble around around your question here. But it, for me, it's it's not enough just to assume that uh, you, as an institution that people will come to you. You do have to go out and make those efforts to connect locally. And I, I know universities are very good at doing this. We we have a science in the square um, activity, which is in the summer where. We have, um, there's a square in, in Falmouth, which is um, near uh, the university, where we set up a very large marquee. And um, we staff go in and they, they have lectures to the public and they have events going on. You know, and again, it's communicating what we do so that people realise that, you know, we are working on real world problems, um, but equally they can get involved. And it's an opportunity for them as, as much as it is for us. That's a, a fantastic bit of info that you shared there, and and sometimes you need to ramble, I think, in order to to find to find key key answers to to questions that we're all asking at the moment. I wonder, just to continue on this theme of um, social innovation and 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 working closely with local communities, do you think there needs to be specific spaces provided on the campus or around the university in order for this to be achieved, or can it be achieved? digitally right so yeah so that's a good question i'm going to start i'm going to start with the digital first if you don't mind um because that's obviously something we will be doing for the last 12 months the, sh the shift to working from home online that we're that we're witnessing at the moment in time is um to a degree sustainable in the short term i'm not i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that it's the way that we're all going to work in the future I think humans are, you know, we're, we're gregarious animals and we like to be around people. So for somebody like me having to go and work at home for a year, well, that's OK, because I know my colleagues. I, I've actually had two new colleagues who I've never met in person. I only ever met online. They've been appointed um, since that since the first lockdown. But I think for young people coming into that world, it could be very incredibly isolating and lonely. Um, and, I, and I, you know, and it's always been an issue for home workers. I mean, it, it's not homeworking is not something that's that's only arrived in the last 12 months. It's been something that um, many people have done um, for a very long time. So part of me thinks that the, the digital solution around social innovation and connectivity into communities, there are some great opportunities here, particularly about the way that we promote our courses, the way that we can deliver our courses. You know, the, the idea that, you know, we, we've now got 24-7 uh, learning because we have resources that are online. We have learning platforms which have information that's, um, and, and activities that students can undertake. You know, all that's a huge advancement. I mean, again, thinking positively around COVID, you know, it's been, a, it's been an absolute shot in the arm about the way we now produce and deliver um, educational materials. It's very much more interactive. It's very much more about active learning. And active learning for me is, is, is the key here, you know, particularly for, for, for young people. Learning now, very much more a, a group-based exercise. And I think going forward in the future, we're starting to realise that, you know, 
this idea that individuals particularly solve problems, but isn't really necessarily the case. It's groups of people do that. There's groups of people that challenge, you know, things like climate change or or, or, or environmental destruction. And, you know, and actually to um, to invoke behaviour change requires. Um, groups of um, individuals to do that. So we've got different forms of learning. So the digital platform side of, of learning is really important. I think it gives us opportunities. But when we come back onto campus and we think about the role of an institution, I would like just to think about for a moment, you um, whilst, whilst my ideas are coming to my head, decide, you know, about what's the, you know, do we have the right spaces on campuses for future education? Do we have the right kind of staff um, to deliver um, education as well. I just want to unpick those two points for a moment because when I think about the right kind of spaces for learning, I think we need to question fundamentally why do we privilege the spaces of a campus um, as a place of learning? You you know you can you can learn in in all different sorts of spaces in society, whether you know whether in the back room of a pub or you're in your village hall or your your church hall, as I've said before, or in somebody's home, there are lots of spaces in which we can learn. So as a so as a university, you know we can provide these kind of polyfunctional spaces on campus, which um, you know a seminar room can shift to a workshop, um, to a lecture theatre quite simply. And obviously we have specialised spaces as well that can't simply move, such as you know um, um, laboratories. But we need to make sure those spaces are fit for modern learning. You know, what kind of kit do we need? I mean, what I think what I'm seeing across more universities um, that, I, that I've visited in the last um, couple of years is these polyfunctional spaces where you, will, you know, students can gather um, in sort of pods. They can broadcast their laptop to a very large screen, which you can write on. There's also more, you know, kind of whiteboard facilities available for them. So learning itself becomes very much more visual. It's um, kinesthetic. Um, it's haptic. You know, it's 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 using different mediums, but also to have different spaces in, that allow conversation um, and ideas to 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 be discussed uh, and, and to, to formulate into op- opinions. So I think that that to me is, is, is also really important, but it raises this, this question again about do we have the right kind of staffing to run that as well? You know, do we, what's the future of a university looking like? So if we're going to go for these kind of polyfunctional spaces that are, you know, that are, that are highly dynamic, allow people to interact in a variety of digital and human, you know, in face-to-face ways, you know, what kind of staff do we need to do that and does it always have to be on a campus so you know do universities have to think about saying look you know we need teaching staff who are on you know um, the peripatetic for example they come into or campus or we send students off campus to go and learn um, in different spaces now obviously you know and we've obviously used that over a number of years where we have people coming in delivering lectures saying this is what i do um, and that's very useful but actually to think much more fluidly about what a university looks like and I, I suppose I'm trying to think of an analogy now I've been going on I suppose I suppose you know I'm a big cycling fan so I'm going to go for a hub and rim if you don't mind when I think about a hub I think that's the university it's the central point it's where they're kind of gearing where um, lots of the control of the system is operated but actually you're through spokes and connections into the community we've got a very big rim you know, and those rims don't have to just be, you know, locally, they can be, they can be across the internet. So, you know, we've got projects um, linking up with students in Portugal, we're looking to link up to students in um, in North America or Australasia, and you can share those knowledges. I think 
yeah, one of the great movements again in the last um, in the last year is how um, institutions have opened up their seminar series. So I can go and watch a seminar being delivered at another institution by somebody in another part of the world. You know, it's you know, it's 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 a really um, it's it's a really dynamic. Um, system and I think those universities that you know recognise and embrace that dynamism are going to be the ones that are going to be really successful. But it, like I say, it means that you know lecture theatres that 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 way of somebody walking in and talking for an hour or two hours is you know it's really kind of a redundant format nowadays that young people don't learn in that way. They very much learn better in an active learning environment or a flipped classroom if you like. So it doesn't mean you can't still lecture. Of course you can, but of course you make it much more dynamic. But and you link that very much more to things like workshops and seminars and laboratory work. Or in my discipline, you know, we do a huge amount of field work because that's the way you learn. It's practical. But again, you know, we have to have the staff who can do that, who are, who are committed to that kind of um, educational um, way of, of delivering materials. But it also might mean that we have to um, bring um, people in from outside to work in universities as well, because that's ultimately how you know you it leads to social innovation. You know, um, as, as somebody who does research on social innovation, I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of the platform. And a, and a platform can come in a myriad of ways. You know, it could be an online digital platform. It might actually be a physical space where people meet. But ultimately, it's, there's got to be a gathering point so that ideas can ferment. And, and you go through this kind of what we call an antecedent moment where people are developing ideas and then suddenly, boom, it can then expand into a, into a social innovation. And universities are absolutely, for me, at a point whereby they, they can be that platform. Um, and it doesn't have to be just on the campus. It can be in, in these alternative spaces. I know lots of universities now have science parks. You know, we do. We also have innovation centres um, on campus where uh, companies can co-locate alongside an institution. So, again, it's changing the nature of those those institutions that they're not just places of learning, but they're actually dynamic, socially engaged, economic, you know, business places. And I think for me, that's that's exciting. You know, that's that's where we've got to be going in the future. I think that's I think that's an answer. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It is exciting. And uh, I like the analogy of the bike. I, as, as you say, if we can I suppose, cycle together with other institutions in a peloton and draft behind each other. It might be able to, we might be able to get there quicker. I totally agree. I think this is something else that we've got to think more about. That, that there are economies of scale for linking institutions together. You know, so you, you, know, you, can, you can have one HR department, you know, for example, one legal department. But equally, as you, as you said, you, you recognise that you can work together and that we work in different sectors. You know, not all universities um, are talking to the same audiences, and that that also has to be recognised as well. And I think, um, you know, having greater collaborative efforts with our close universities, but also far universities, is is a really sensible idea, um, and it democratises knowledge, um, and, it, and it allows us to um, share knowledge in, in, in radically different ways, but also, you know, change our communities, hopefully, um, for for the better. You are currently in Falmouth, in that campus there, and um, I think it's quite a new new campus, if I'm if I'm right in saying. Yes, you, it is. it's also quite a remote, I'd say, in in terms of other city locations where you find universities. 
do you could you just comment on whether you think universities are effective in remote locations right i'm going to, I'm going to do the very academic thing to you now simon and say what, what do we mean by the word effective and i'll, I'll try and answer that now in, in my response um, when we talk about being effective, you know, we, we want to think what, what's the purpose, what's the mission of that institution. Now, I was, um, I am in Falmouth, uh, and it's um, it's a regional campus of the University of Exeter. It's one that we share with the with, with Falmouth University, which is um, an arts um, institution. So it's it's quite unusual um, in that way, and. Um, it means that you know we have shared central services such as you know um, student union libraries you know and cafeterias so so it, it, you know from, and we share lecture theatres and, and, and seminar spaces so I mean yeah we it was an EU an EU build and and it was done to uh, think about how you can stimulate remote places with with using um, um, universities. Now, I was lucky enough to actually be on the European project which evaluated that that program and not only did we look at um, uh, this particular institution, um, we looked at the Highlands and Islands University up in Scotland, uh, the University of Southern Bohemia, where I also went in, in the Czech Republic, and then we had we were looking at institutions um, potentially building in Bulgaria, northern Sweden. Um, we also looked at um, Finland as well. So when we when we look at an institution uh, in a remote uh, or a remote a remoter location, you think about why you do it. If we take the, um, the, the kind of the government's current uh, thinking um, as, as a starting point here, they see universities very much as a driver of the economy, of particularly regional economies. And I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think universities can be a driver uh, of, of developing um, economies in remote locations because uh, a university in and of itself employs people. It brings in revenue um, from outside, it brings in students who spend money. So it actually economically, they're worth worth a very great deal of money to a local economy. So they're incredibly effective in, say, stimulating um, um, the finances of a local area. But interestingly, beyond that very kind of, you know, that, that kind of central financial motive, they, universities in themselves instill business confidence in people. So. Those people, those businesses don't have to be directly linked to the university, but it just builds confidence in, a, in an area and a sector. And again, you know, we, um, Oxford Economics did a review of this campus and you can start, you can see within their work that, um, you know, building um, a, a campus in, in a remote area, again, you know, has this particular multiplier effect. Uh, you know, it's, it's a real collateral benefit that you, you get from um, building an institution like this. But then, of course, you know, we've got another thing that uh, institutions can be um, affected on in remote areas because it provides an opportunity for those communities to have access to education, which, you know, I believe is an absolutely fundamental right. So whilst um, the, um, our campus here is, it's, we accept students from, you know, all over, actually, I mean, literally all over the planet. We also, you know, um, have students who are local um, to us who don't want to leave Cornwall. Um, who want to stay, live and work and invest their lives back into, the, into this place. And that's really important for us. And of course, students who have graduated from us have gone on to set up businesses and they've stayed. And it is changing the, the fundamental nature of the economy in Cornwall. Um, and I can't stress enough how, how successful 
um, the campus has been in, in, in that sense. And of course, in terms of student base, you know, you know, we're located in a you know fundamentally beautiful part of the world. All that people see is fundamentally beautiful. And of course, you know, um, students come because you know they want um, a Russell Group experience uh, at a university, which is um, which is smaller. It's it's not a city campus. It, you know, we we are on the edge of, of Penryn, which is a you know, a small town which is going to co-join the farmers. So the area itself is probably about a 40,000 population. And we're in a slightly sort of greenfield setting with views and you see the sea in the distance. So again, you know, it's, um, we would say it was very effective because it, it draws people here. It allows people locally to study. It um, provides money into the economy. It you know, employs local people. Academics have moved here um, or, or, or from here and have um, an opportunity to work in this environment. And they have, obviously they have children. They're growing up in the, these communities as well. And it also, you know, it stimulates confidence in the business sector. And, and I think if you start co-joining that together, building universities in remote areas is, is a no-brainer in many ways. Yes, they cost a lot to start up, um, but ultimately they can be this, this tremendous conduit um, for um, social, cultural and, and, and economic growth um, in areas. It's great to know that it's how successful it's been there. And um, it's nice to know that you're very happy there as well. Would you, just to con- we're going to start concluding this now. Um, I'd just like to ask if you have any questions or a question, one question in particular that you'd like to direct towards those people involved in creating and managing university spaces to think about. Universities have to, you know, have to be adaptive, and they, and they have been adaptive o- o- over the years. And we have to recognise now that learning occurs in a multiplicity of spaces. And it's, we, we need to make sure that we have the right kind of spaces on campus, you know. So, so for example, you know, I, you know, I would love, as a, you know, I'm a geographer, I'm interested in identity and belonging. And if, we, if you think about those basic ideas, right, so, you know, if you wanted to encourage students to have a sense of ownership and the co-production of learning and, the, and, and spaces, which, again, I think is, is absolutely essential, you, they've got to have a stake. They've got to have a stake in, 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 in the institution itself. So we probably need to provide more learning spaces, which are not libraries. They don't, you know, because the li- library is virtually, you know, it is virtual nowadays. Um, yes, it's still, you still got to have back catalogues and it's still really important for those. But actually have more learning spaces within departments, you know, um, rather than just being rows of um, offices in corridors. You know, how do we make departments more lively? You know, how do we make it more inclusive so that students you know, have a sense of ownership and once they have that ownership and have spaces within within their departments you know what do they do with it you know how do they use those spaces and i think we have to be bold here and actually start thinking about that we, we don't necessarily know what those answers look like at the moment in time because we're talking about the evolution of highly creative spaces you know what what is it that we need and do we need you know from Wi-Fi to bean bags to desks, do we do we need coffee machines to whatever it is that makes these those places pleasurable? That that there's somewhere that you want to be, that somewhere that you want to learn, um, and somewhere that you can go and solve problems, think about issues. You know, we've got so many enormous grand challenges um, facing us in uh, coming up over the next century. You know, from environmental destruction to to climate change to decoupling um, from oil 
to food security, you know, water security. You know, you, we, we, I know we, can, we can go on. You know, you know, how do we enable young minds um, to start thinking about those in, 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 a, in a secure, supportive environment in those spaces in which they, they want to be? Because I don't, I don't see online learning is going to be for everyone. I see the, the destination campus still being a significant factor in the long-term evolution of institutions. I, I do see more students staying at home um, and commuting into university. Uh, and I, you know, that's obviously being economically driven as much as the sort of desire to, to, to stay in their local communities. But, I, but, I, but I, for me, I think that um, as, as institutions, we, we've got to see ourselves partnering with our local communities, with our um, uh, local government structures, um, so that you know we can we can address local problems, but we can also you know through thinking of those those local issues, you can also deal with, with far greater global issues, uh, such as the example I gave my own work earlier on whereby you know, we're dealing with isolation and loneliness of old people, yes, here in Cornwall and other places. And what we learned from that, you know, we, we will be, be passed, passed around the world, hopefully. So you can share those, share those knowledges. So it's addressing local issues, but also that has a global ramification. So, so for me, I would like to see some kind of bold thinking around university structures about thinking more carefully about how we include students uh, in uh, learning spaces in, in the university, but taking that even further and thinking about saying to students, you know, how, you know, you can be involved in the co-construction of your of your of your courses. You know, how how many academics actually say to your students at the start of a course, what do you want to get out of this? What are you hoping to get out of this topic? You know, um, and change the curriculum accordingly. You know, it's it's that rather than me trying to empty my knowledge out of my head into somebody else's head, you know, why, why shouldn't we be going on a, uh, an academic adventure together and learning about issues that are relevant and important to um, those, uh, those people who are studying with me? Yeah, that adventure, that learning journey. And, and for me as well, like you say, I, I believe that there is still a future for campuses in the sense of it being for young people as well, a rite of passage going from from the home somewhere else to sort of rediscover how to connect with people and also discover new people that you might get along with. Well, exactly. I think I think um, one of the things I'm I'm quite one of the things that's that's been emergent and one of the first questions you asked me today was to say what are the big changes? And of course, one of the big changes that I didn't mention was the idea of the student experience as being one of the most prominent aspects of going to university that there is universities are not simply somewhere where you go and you know study for hours on end um, it's somewhere where you said you you meet people you you get on with others and yes that was always part of it in the past but that's that agenda now is very much more explicitly towards the service you know as an institution we have to you know we have to offer um, uh, our students you know places they want to be and I think that's where we've got to adapt. I think we've got to face up to the fact that um, learning now is very much more um, active. It's practical and young people want to solve problems. So, you know, why not? Why not release them on, onto problems uh, and think of, you know, allow them uh, the space to be creative. And of course, universities can do that as a rite of passage. One of the things that worries me um, about uh, higher education and particularly well, education up to, 
including A-levels and GCSEs, is that we don't allow people to fail. And we learn through failure. You know, we, 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 it's, it's where we, we often get our, our most uh, profound moments of understanding, you know, and we've, we're now, we've, we, we've built a generation of young people, and this is by, by no means, that it's, it, it's not their problem, but it's one that is driven by assessment, it's by, driven by mark, um, rather than saying, you know, okay, if I try this, if it doesn't work, okay, I can try something else. Um, and, I, and I think we need to get back into that kind of learning um, that it's, it's okay to try things. And actually when things go wrong, as I said, that's when we often, um, we often learn. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean equate to a bad mark. It just means that it didn't work and we've learned something from that. So, you know, being, you know, I, you know, I want to think here really positively about that, that, that idea of active learning, that we need to be creative. We have to be prepared to fail occasionally because we're going to succeed at other moments. And that's when change happens. Like you mentioned, sometimes we need failure to to learn acceptance. And then with that, we become more resilient and hopefully moving into the future, we do become more resilient to future problems, but then also more confident to find solutions. I'd like to just finish then, if you could complete the sentence as concisely <laughs> as possible, university spaces should be? Gosh, uh, university spaces... Um should be fit for purpose. I, 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 I know that's, that's a very brief answer, but actually finding what is fit for purpose is our challenge. You know, it's um, for me, the, the idea of rows of chairs and, and students, you know, it, it's, a, it's a view of education from the last century. Um, I, I think we need to be much more dynamic um, in those spaces. And I think, um, yeah, when I talk about being fit for purpose, it really means that uh, they're polyfunctional, they're open, they're inclusive. It's not just for students on campus, it's for the communities um, around us as well.